For many people, security on the ServiceNow instance ends with ACLs. Maybe encryption if they have the need. But there's more. Oh, so much more. Joining me in this episode is someone who can shed some light on the full spectrum of ServiceNow security capabilities as of 2023. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and all of you curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to longtime... MVP, currently Principal Product Success Manager, Jared Munt. How are you, Jared? Hey, long-time listener, first-time caller. Great to be here, Chuck. <laughs> oh, you spoiled my first question. Have you been on a podcast before? I've done a couple, uh, never with you, uh, but I've been a fan of this one since probably one of the early episodes where you got into some uh, shrimp harvesting and and very interesting <laughs> hobbies on that classic episode. <laughs> That, that, that was a classic. We'll have to see if we can find something interesting with everybody. We'll get to your interesting question in a moment. Let's start by you know you telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm in my first year here at ServiceNow. I'm on the product success team. And I really like it because it's a nice balance of being an advisor to our customers, but also still uh, from time to time doing some coding and hacking out uh, of some specific uh, proof of concepts and solutions. Uh, I've been on the platform for about nine years now. Uh, nice. Held a variety of roles over that time. Uh, I've been at customers, partners, uh, both implementation partners and product partners. And uh, even before before I got into ServiceNow, I've always been security adjacent. Uh, when I was uh, uh, managing a desktop services team, I was the, the liaison to the uh, security team. Uh, when I was uh, doing SharePoint and SQL Server administration with the data center ops team, I was uh, kind of the security liaison for all of the Windows Server administration. So, um, yeah, it's just it's always been right next door to my technical career, and I'm really happy to be uh, focusing on those products now here at ServiceNow. So, I got to ask you a question: Why did you choose to come to ServiceNow? So, uh, I I joke around that it was inevitable. Um, because I've been at every, you know, almost every other space in the ServiceNow ecosystem, um, right? For have an ecosystem bingo card, I've done the the admin, the <laughs> developer, business process consultant, done a few live coding uh, happy hours. I've even managed developers and QA and architecture teams. Um, but I think uh, for me, it was I wanted to get closer to the technology. And help uh, help the product managers influence the direction of of the platform that I've been spending almost a decade working on. I've got a couple of, qu- of fun questions for you. First one is, if you won the lottery and no longer worked at ServiceNow, what do you think you'd be doing? That one, that one's pretty easy. Actually, uh, would probably not be home very much. I would pr- be uh, living out of hotels all over the world. Um, in the nomadic lifestyle, studying um, languages, and uh, maybe even going back to school, uh, studying philosophy, uh, and, and something outside of the technical realm. Interesting. That just sounds like a a, a nice thing to do. I, okay, tying it back to 
ServiceNow, security. I want to know, what's the biggest security mistake you've ever made? So the biggest security make I, uh, mistake I've made in my career, I think it was relatively early. Uh, so as as you may have known, uh, I, I'm not a UI UX person. I've always been doing the app development um, platform internals and specifically integrations. And so with integrations, there's a lot of places where you can get into trouble uh, when you're when you're mapping attributes. You have a, you know like a work notes that's not supposed to be customer customer accessible. Um, but then when you send that over the wire to a remote system, if it's accidentally mapped to a customer visible field, uh, there's been some minor mistakes there, but most of those get caught uh, in in dev and test. But yeah, the the, the biggest one that comes to mind um, is will probably resonate with this audience, especially for those that are focused on integrations. Uh, at a at a partner, I was doing similar work for a variety of customers. And so I was uh, actually had kind of a reusable starter update set that I was using. And during one of the bug fixes, um, at this point, um, I was not yet, um, this was before a lot of uh, integration hub, uh, credential, uh, connection and credential alias table, storing your credentials in that central place across the whole instance. So what we had was a system property with an API key in it. Um, and that API key from from one customer accidentally got installed into the dev system of a different customer, and um, very, yeah, yeah, was a very embarrassing. But um, the, the important lesson lesson to learn here is is to own it. Uh, don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Yes. Notify management. Notify the customer. Um, because as our as our CEO here at ServiceNow says, uh, trust is gained in drops, but lost in buckets. And so that could be a bucket level experience if you don't handle it right. Absolutely. Oh, man. You, you got me thinking about some of my security mistakes in the past, but we're not going to go into there unless somebody asks me. So <laughs> leave the embarrassing stories aside. When you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? Kind of related to my lottery answer, uh, planning travel. Where are we going to go next, both domestically and international? Uh, and also learning more about music, um, just kind of an unstructured, casual learning of music theory, uh, downloading individual tracks, mixing them up in GarageBand, learning, kind of seeing what the producers of some of my favorite songs, what did they do to the different, you know, mixing. So that's kind of reverse engineering of audio. Um is one of my hobbies. That's interesting. We should get together sometime and talk about that. I'd love to see what you're doing on that. I, I have a similar interest. I can barely read music, but I truly appreciate all that goes on in the music industry in multiple genres. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fascinating topic. It seems to transcend language and, and many other things. We could have a whole music podcast if we want, but we're not here to talk about music. We're here to talk about security Let's begin. I mentioned in the intro that a lot of people think, oh, security, I've got my ACLs in place. There's there's more to it. And and just having a few recent conversations with you has opened my eyes to many, many more things. Can you give us an overview of that ecosystem of the products we've got? Well, sure. So when I was new to the platform, uh, if we flash 
back to 2014, uh, picture you're getting a brand new Calgary instance at your organization. It was probably uh, purchased by IT, implemented by IT. So the other the other teams in your organization probably had no idea this was happening. But now fast forward to modern day where we are the platform of platforms. And so projects are not just in IT anymore. They're spanning multiple part of the C-suite. Um, it's, it's such large projects that the board is getting involved, legals involved, securities involved, privacy, all the different parts of the organization uh, now have their fingers in an implementation project or a, a major um, growth of the platform at a particular customer. So uh, yeah, it's not just an IT anymore. There's a lot more moving parts. And so I'm probably going to use the word nuance a lot with my answers because encryption, um, privacy, identity management are not just flip the switch and you have them. They're they're all shades of gray. They're uh, very specific to your, your specific needs um, at a specific customer. So that's that's the that's how I see the ecosystem now. Uh, so when we get into a particular product like IP address filtering or adaptive authentication or the various encryption products, it's um, it's not just encryption for customer service management because some decisions you make there may affect the other parts of the platform. So so back to having good architecture uh, and and having a good vision for. I mean, it's not just security. That applies to inbound email. It applies to uh, UX decisions. It's not just uh, incident management anymore. You mentioned email, which is notorious because there's no kind of authentication, which triggers a thought in my mind. Authorization and authentication confuse a lot of people when they're first starting out with security. Can you explain the difference between the two? Yeah, the, the way I see... Uh, uh, authorization and authentication. So yeah, you can you can log into a system, right? Hey, Chuck has this username and password and even a multi-factor authentication. This is Chuck. But if you're trying to get access to financial data or something that you're not supposed to have access to, you're not you're, you're authenticated, but you're not authorized for that particular section of data. Good, good. So they're they're different levels within the access model, if you will. You got to get in the front door, that's your authentication. And then you've got to get to the right room in the house and that would be your authorization. Correct. That sounds great. I'm going to rewind a little bit. You had mentioned privacy, identity, security. Let's talk about those for a minute. Security, privacy, and identity. How does, how do you, how does that in Jared's mind? So the way I see it, uh, historically, these things were relatively siloed, although they are fully separate industries, separate specializations. They have their own certifications, they have their own conferences, they have their own toolkits. But as things get more matured, and uh, there's, there's a lot more overlap um, of these specialties, and especially since um, they all may have an interest in getting access to the CMDB or they may have an interest of running part of their process or all of their process on the ServiceNow platform, we get to be kind of on the, the front lines and, and watching the overlap of that. So security um, is more concerned with risk and impact, mm -hmm. keeping your network um, and 
data secure. Um, they, they'll use words like inci- security incidents, security breaches. Vulnerabilities? Yes. So I kind of see security, again, going back to my house model, is lock the front doors, know who has the keys, make sure your windows are tight. But then when it comes to privacy, it's like, that's pull down the shades. You, know, you could have a locked house, but if someone's looking right in, it's not very private. Exactly. Uh, one of the quotes I've seen recently that I like on privacy um, is uh, just like maybe 10 years ago, data is the new gold, right? All mm-hmm. the, every company wanted to just have gobs and gobs of data because you know they might not know what they're going to do with it, but someday you know more data is good. Uh, the newer quote is data is the new uranium, where if you treat it properly, it can be very useful. Uh, it can power the engine of your company, but if you misuse it or are careless with it, that can cause some big problems for your organization. It can blow up in your face. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I'm going to have to start adopting that. It, Data is the new uranium. It is. And it's not just uh, PII and PHI, right? Personally identifiable information, personal health information here in the US, but uh, in in the EU, GDPR has some things like the right to be forgotten. So after you're done doing business with an organization, you can send them a request and say, please delete my name and email address and phone number out of your database. And to do business in EU, that that business must comply. And so, uh, yeah, so it's some processes like that for legal aspects, but also just limiting your information in your database uh, in, in our perspective, it'll be limiting what we give access to when we clone from prod down to down to a dev system. We might want to skip some of those uh, customer tables, uh, HR tables, um, just because we have many more hands in the pot with with elevated access down in dev. GDPR is is the global. I got to say GDP data protection regulation. I think regulation. Yes. Okay. General GDPR. Data. General. Okay. I was going to say, if it's, it can't be global because it's not global yet. It's like, why don't we have this in everywhere? It, it, it makes total sense. It is. And on the, just on the general security identity privacy front, um, I'm getting a lot more very specific, nuanced questions, more from our European customers, uh, which is just really good because it's uh, forcing us to update our docs and, and get our frequently asked question uh, decks put together um, as as the rest of the world catches up. We talked about security. We talked about privacy. What about identity? And identity um, is also one of those things where uh, you're you're probably already doing some of this at, at your organization. Uh, it's knowing who, what, and why um, is on your systems, right? Where did this service account come from? Where did this admin account come from that was created in 2008 and has not changed the password since then, right? <laughs> who, who owns this? Uh, so yeah, everyone is doing part of this. They might not be calling it identity management, um, but also things like your uh, Active Directory sync, uh, attribute mapping, um, new higher onboarding, catalog items, and order guides. Uh, that is all part of an identity management process. I actually was able to go to an identity management conference in 2021, and um, just it opened up my eyes to just the depth uh, and the maturity of this industry. So if you're not already involved in a project on one of these topics, um, using words like privileged account management, uh, a joiner mover or lever process, 
um, or, or authoritative attribute uh, synchronization, um, and you're at a, a sizable organization, uh, I would bet that within the next two years, your identity team um, will be involving the ServiceNow platform on a project like that. And I have put a, a link to the ID Pro body of knowledge um, into the show notes. That is my go-to uh, first resource for anything on the identity space. I, I got to share a story real quick about a recent identity management incident that I came across. I've got a friend. I've known him since we were teenagers. We worked at various jobs together for over 25 years. We have a monthly call. We catch up and we talk about family food movies we watch. And one of the things is tech. Usually consumes a vast majority of our conversation. Well, he had said they ran into an issue with Unix IDs. Now, if anybody's ever set up a Unix or a Linux system, you know that every user has a user ID in the password file. Well, I had set up the first ones in for that organization. I used to work there. He still does. In 1989. So I know who user ID 201, 202, and 203 belong to. Somebody... In the year 2023, <laughs> Jared, this is almost 35 years later, somebody stood up a Unix system and arbitrarily picked my user ID of 202. I went, okay, first of all, why? <laughs> why are they doing that? But they didn't know. And suddenly, you know, it looks like, hey, Chuck Tomasi's back on the network. When I wasn't, because, you know, they were creating files. Obviously, I've been gone from the company for at least 13 years. So it's... It was it was very bizarre and and without a good identity management process, without the tools to alert you of that, you know, weird, weird stuff can happen decades later, as we found out. That I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, that's that is that's funny. I could imagine them looking through the logs and seeing logging in. Did we get hacked? I mean, is it a security issue? No, it's actually an identity management issue. Which, like you said, they're different disciplines. So the way you approach them is going to be totally different to to discover what the error was. Absolutely. Jared, I know we have a lot of products in the platform to help people with their security management, privacy, identity, what we just talked about. Let's go through some of those. Give me the the, the once over, sort of the the the... 100 level class of this because we want to dig in deeper you and i are going to come back and have more conversations in the future about any and all of these absolutely uh i will do i will say one thing before we go into the specific products mm -hmm. is that um if you are an administrator um, or a developer out there in the ecosystem uh we, we're barely going to scratch the service here um so I just want to let you know that that uh, if you are getting questions from your organization, um, that you are not alone. Um, we here at ServiceNow have a, a variety of ways to back you up and answer some of these nuanced security questions that you're no doubt going to be part of in the next year. And so I just wanted to shout out a couple the, of my, my recommendations. Before you do that, yes, and we have a lot of links in the show notes, so please check those out. Jared was very gracious to provide links to many, many resources that can help you find out more about this stuff. The stage is yours. Specifically as a customer, your account has a solution consultant. And so when I was at um, my last ServiceNow customer, I did not utilize this, this part of my 
benefit to being a customer. And so if you don't know who your SC is, if you don't know their name, if you're not regularly emailing them, uh, I would, my recommendation is treat them like part of your team uh, and put them to work for you, you know, whatever you need researching. But in the security space, uh, this person will know where to route your questions internally within ServiceNow. So make sure you know who they are. They can help you. Um, also, we've just stood up a platform privacy and security section on the community forums. So under now platform, uh, platform privacy and security is now a thing. So if, post your questions there. Uh, and then uh, I'll mention it. There's a section on the under the trust center called core. Um, that's available on the support instance. Uh, that's for the very detailed, specific questions um, where you can your org can get access to that. Uh, that's some things like if somebody is asking you, okay, on the ServiceNow data center, and a server gets decommissioned, what happens to the hard disk drives that are inside of it? Do they get shredded? Do they get donated? What what happens to that? You know, these docs are very fine grained. And so those all exist to help you on whatever question might come up. But absolutely, um, we have a variety, back to products, uh, a variety of no cost and premium products. Um, And again, this is is a nuanced conversation. There's, There's no one size fits all product to solve all your problems, but we do have a variety of layers from the authentication layer to the user management layer, to the database layer, even even proactive reporting and review of the various configurations. So, yeah, let's let's jump in. I have a list sitting in front of me. Um, what what types of um, what do you think of first when you hear of uh, security? Um, what's your what's your what's your top? Wait a minute, who's interviewing who here? Doug. <laughs> Hey, I don't mind an occasional question. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, where 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 should we start? Uh, I I think of I, I think of SSL. I think of you know the sys user table. I think of ACLs, possibly encryption. I know there's you know there, there's some basic stuff that we get every day, and some of that is on the CSA. Some of it you you learn in later implementation courses. There's um, admin privilege you know like we did with scoped hr application where you have to be entitled to even access that information uh roles obviously are part of the whole security schema that we've got on the platform so yeah i'm i'm reaching back into my 2008 early training days but i haven't been exposed to much more than that yeah so so if if i'm a if i'm an admin uh, if I'm, let's say I switched jobs and now I'm focused on just a one single customer. Uh, if, if I'm, if I'm the admin there, there's probably five or six things that I would definitely turn on that apply almost universally. Um, and that is some things like our, um, new in Tokyo data filtration plugin, mm-hmm. which adds a new option. Um, ACLs as, as you probably know, um, are additive. Um, they add access and then, then another ACL cannot remove access. Right. Um, but with the data filtration plugin, we can actually build some rather complex logic where if you are logged in from outside of the network, uh, the corporate IP range, um, you no longer get access to the HR profile table, 
for example, or maybe your custom scoped app table. Uh, so that complements ACLs very nicely and it can put some more layers in. Uh, related to that also in new in Tokyo is the protected tables plugin that protects your various logging tables from even a system administrator from um, removing records from the transaction log or the syslog or or modifying those records. So that's a that's a great thing. I would turn that on and uh, I can't think of a reason when I wouldn't um, enable that in my customer instance. That one makes sense too. I've heard a number of stories of, of jokesters saying, hey, I logged into my instructor's instance during training and I did this funny thing, you know, disabled the submit button, whatever it was, and then covered all my tracks by deleting all the logs that I had even been there. Like, no, turn this on. You don't get away with that anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the new, um, the new log export service will further complement that by uh, allowing you to get your both your syslog and transaction logs, and also now your node logs, which mm -hmm. are notoriously kind of uh, a high friction uh, read. Um, the log export service lets you fire those um, out of your instance to your corporate um, central log repository uh, near real time, uh, further That's re nice. reducing the, you know that option to uh, to a malicious or a or a, a in you know a jokester troll um, <laughs> uh yeah mu uh, multi-factor authentication i absolutely would turn on oh my goodness yes it, it, it's sort of a standard rule on the internet these days if somebody somewhere offers mfa use it github todoist google turn it on if you're not you know you better have a really, really good reason why not, because that's your strongest protection against password cracking. Absolutely. Things like adaptive authentication. Uh, this is a this is a larger topic, but instead of the old IP address control where you would just um, build an, an allow list and say, if you're coming in from one of these public IPs, you can hit my instance. If you're not on that list, you just get denied, uh, whether it's an interactive user session or an integration or anything. It's just, it's it's not very flexible. But the new way through adaptive authentication, uh, there's some uh, pre-authentication and post-authentication rule sets that can um, give you the best of both worlds. Um, and then there's also a complementary REST um, access control that goes along with that which is adaptive authentication for your REST endpoints. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of options within this tool, but uh, probably one of the most common ones is if you're outside of, maybe outside of the country or outside of the corporate IP range, um, you can still let people log in, but it might um, uh, step up and enforce multi-factor authentication. Whereas if you're logging in from a, a known IP range, it just your regular authentication will do. Does that take into account geolocation or would somebody have to transpose an IP address to a geolocation? We are uh, talking in the uh, Tokyo. Mm -hmm. That's that's the, the current release. And so, yeah, um, I, in the future, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this one continues to get some major investments. But yes, as of as of Tokyo, it is going to be an IP range uh, filter or um, specific device filtering. 
Okay, so you could say mobile users are allowed outside my firewall because, hey, they're mobile users. But say desktop aren't, so you have to have a VPN. That way, people don't have to have a VPN on every phone to access, you know, their instances, that uh, incidents, cases, whatever that they usually would. Right. And we can add a layer of, of group or role membership on top of that. Whereas maybe all of your regular requesters can log in anywhere. But if you are a um, HR service desk person with elevated permissions, we are going to insist that you that you log in from these devices or these okay. um, IP ranges. I could see that being very powerful for uh, government financially, some of these highly regulated, highly controlled organizations. Absolutely. Uh, I have two more favorites, and then I'll get jump into some of the premium products that I've yeah, been doing yeah. a lot of research on lately. So uh, the, another free plugin um, is the data classification and data certification plugins. And so these kind of overlap more with the identity space, but they could be used for really uh, routine reviews of anything on the platform. Um, so within data certification, we could um, make a condition that says anybody in production that has the security admin role, I want this group to review it monthly um, or any other role, maybe ITIL admin, reporting admin. I want to review who has this level of access and I want to, you know, maybe I don't want to put in, put in a, um, a business rule or an email configuration that notifies me immediately when somebody gets added to this group, but I want to review it at some interval. This will remind me to do it. Um, and will also keep track of, of when I did it and how, when I, so if anyone asks, uh, when is the last time you audited your admin group, you'll have it, all that data right there sitting in the, the platform and then data classification, uh, I've worked at, at places where uh, the sys user table, right, is all, all the data is sourced from the company HR system, except for things like home address or mobile phone number, where mm -hmm. the employee maybe input that themselves from the portal for any number of purposes, right? Having some stuff mailed to you, a t-shirt uh, or, or getting a, a text messages. But those fields on the sys user table are more class more confidential, all right? It's a different okay. level of classification. So we can classify those as such. And then if anyone is asking uh, where the classified data is in the in the platform, who has access to it, that data of classification plugin can help you quickly get an answer for whoever's asking. So it's not just down to the table. You can actually identify which fields on a table are classified, regulated. What are there different this is going to sound redundant. Are there different classifications of data classification? There are a couple. If you install it with demo data, it does mm -hmm. come with some uh, standard, restricted, confidential, generic type of language. Yeah. But it is flexible. Um, so whatever your industry, whatever your organization uh, culture uses to classify data, you can you can set that all up in there. So anyone reviewing it will won't have to learn a new system. They'll they'll be able to review it in in the language of that culture already uh, nice. already implemented. Yeah, yeah. I know we get our annual security test, and they say, "Do you know the difference between restricted and confidential and public information, etc." So that could all be identified there. Nice. Okay. And then the data certification. Quick question on that: Is that uh, 
like certifying the data itself. Like you, you say you could review something every 30 days or every 365 days. Is is that who has access to that or is that just the information itself or is it because it's all in tables, we don't care, you're just reviewing something every 30 days? Correct. Yeah, it's just a web of tables. Point, uh, Kind of like something that we would build on a, like a live coding happy hour type of thing. There's <laughs> condition fields, there's template fields, there's table references, all those things. But this is just... Um, a out-of-box tool to get you there. So uh, one of the demo data use cases of this is uh, assignment groups. So we might say, give me all assignment groups where the group type equals problem management. And then I want to do this every 90 days. And I want to route the task to whoever the group manager is on the assignment group. And then the system takes care of the rest uh, generates some notifications, shows a little, I think there's some, some SLAs built in, uh, if you want to say, do it within two weeks. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very flexible and, uh, can be used for some identity management processes. Like I said earlier, or, um, point at your CMDB and make sure that all your Linux servers, um, that are part of production SAP get routed to this team to validate that nothing is missing. All the support information is correct. All of the, um, yeah, all the other attributes on the CMDB. It's it's a very flexible. So within the security space, I would use it. And also if I'm a, uh, if I'm a platform owner of some other area, I'm probably, I'm probably interested in using that as well. Oh man, you just touched on your favorite five, six things. And, uh, I'm looking at the clock going, we should probably do the rest in a lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, if you are in a regulated or high security industry, you probably have some, some government re requirements, some corporate security requirements. Uh, some of the conversations I've been in uh, recently have been um, actually within some new customers that are interested in ServiceNow, and they don't want to do it on-prem, but they want to make sure that our, our cloud hosting for ServiceNow meets every one of their security requirements. And so mm -hmm. um, that's where in, new in Tokyo is, is something called the Vault Suite. And that's a collection of five uh, individual security products that complement each other. And that's uh, where I've been spending a lot of time lately. Um, again, this is not, it, it's not a one size fits all hammer, but if you do have um heightened regulatory uh, and risk management governance, very specific security requirements. Chances are this new suite uh, where we're encrypting the whole instance, we're encrypting, um, doing the column level encryption. We're going putting an extra layer on top of your uh, credentials mm -hmm. within. That's, that's one of the, the cool, um, so to allow discovery of highly secured subnets through uh, ITOM discovery. We have a, a secrets management product that ensures like, like most things um, where the, the process owners have access to it, but the platform admin and also ServiceNow um, host admins and engineers will not have access to your service accounts but the discovery agent that is running on your mid server does have access to those service accounts. Uh, so that's a really cool thing. And uh, like I mentioned, the log export service mm -hmm. um, from before, 
that is a, that's available as a, as a no cost tier, but also uh, if you're exporting everything on a very busy instance, there's a, there's an, is an unlimited data, um, data uh, license available through the vault. And also uh, data privacy, data anonymization is part of that. And then code signing, which is a, which is, I think, going to be very useful for those certain organizations that want to uh, certify code in, in dev and make sure it doesn't get modified in prod. There's a lot of chatter um, going on um, also around the skim provider and client plugins. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. We touched on that in a, in a tech now, I think it was Tokyo when we came out with the, with the skim stuff. It's, as I understand it, it's a uh, kind of a known protocol or a known uh, format of exchanging data, but you can do users and groups, roles, I think, multiple things in one request rather than saying, go and get me all the users out of the user table. And a response comes back, maybe it's paginated, and then you go get all the groups, and then you have to get that many-to-many to associate them together. This gives you a way to do that all in what, one request? Is that how I understand it? It it is. Uh, it's it's uh, skim is the uh, is a standard structured JSON for uh, users and entitlement information. Okay. Right, the user, the group, and the memberships. Um, just about everything can can fit into those models. And then the attributes. Um, there's a lot of standard attributes: username, email address, uh, given name, surname. Uh, AKA first name, last name. And uh, what we don't want to happen is have every system call, you know, some systems call it a state, some call it a province, some call it a territory. Um, This lets your system talk to other systems in that industry standard format. Oh, Um, okay. And so, uh, and and the thing I love about Skim is... um, Back in the day, maybe a developer on some system made a minor tweak. Maybe something got moved from a string field to an array of strings. And so you would do an upgrade of some remote distant system. And then now your integration is broken because coming across (laughs) the wire is still JSON. But for that one attribute, it's now an array of strings instead of just a single string. So Skim solves 99% of that by... Uh, getting out of the right, it lets you focus on the the more important discussions and not just uh, field mapping exercises. Where was this in two thousand nine? <laughs> I had like three or four integrations bringing in data to the sys user table, and one of them was an HR system that decided to change the way they did their employee IDs. Which guess which was the coalesce field? Oh, this would have solved so many problems. So now you have two of everything, right? Yeah, it's like, why are there two Charlie McEntees? I don't know. And, and and before you realize it, there's records associated to both. Like, now how do I unwind that throughout the system? There's there's some good uh, background scripts with uh, rollback context, right? <laughs> Rinse, you know, test, 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 and then fire away and prod. Uh, that's, that, that gets back to more of your data management. We talked about this couple of months ago with the uh, data governance conversations. Okay, I think we got time for one or two more. What do you want to hit? There's a bunch uh, of, of lesser used ones, things like domain separation, 
edge encryption, which is actually an on-premise security uh, proxy for your your instance traffic. Uh, we do still have options for full disk encryption and separate hardware, but I think these newer offerings uh, are going to make those more, you know, fully legacy. Um, even on-prem hosting is is not uh, not very common, um, but some of them that I see being uh, kind of on their way in is the SMIME email encryption plugin, mm-hmm. also new in Tokyo. Uh, I love all the the new investments in the in the security space um, here on the platform. Uh, so that allows you inbound and outbound signed and encrypted email through that industry standard SMIME uh, protocol. And then also say the Snack plugin, the ServiceNow Access Control plugin, which just gives you an extra level of control over who in our data centers um, and support teams um, have access to log into your into your instance. You get to say oh. who and when people can. Uh, when support can get on your instances. Sure. So the customer has the keys to the door rather than relying on ServiceNow to monitor and manage that. Nice. Nice. Absolutely. And if you want to see all the, the specific controls we have in place that prevent and, and audit any employees on your instances, um, I'll, I'll shout out back to the show notes. The trust center on the support instance is going to give you all uh, everything you need there. And... Um, and then the core uh, subsection on there if for for other things. So all the different alphabet soup of ISO 20,000 this and SOC 1A, SOC, you know, all the, all the different acronyms, you're going to find them in Trust Center out there on the support instance. This is good stuff, Jared. We definitely need to get back in touch. In fact, we could probably start a security podcast based on how many bullet items we've hit on here. And you know, like you said, we just just touch the surface on a lot of these things of what they are and when you might use them. But a lot of deeper discussions. We didn't even get into the whole list. There are things like the key management framework and connection and credential aliases. There's so much to be aware of. It it shouldn't feel overwhelming because if you, if you introduce yourself to, like anything else, a little at a time, know where it applies and just keep it in your back pocket to go, I think we have a use case for this. Or like you said earlier, reach out to your solution consultant, a vastly underutilized resource. That's that's great stuff. We we need to keep in touch. I'm I'm looking forward to more of these conversations. If you, if you don't start your own podcast on security before then. Now, Jared, we talked about a lot of stuff. I think you you said this in the past. It was a mile wide but only an inch deep. We want to know what topics listener would like to go deeper on. So uh, I'm, I'm putting a call out there to you, dear listener. Let us know. You can get in touch with either of us, either through our LinkedIn profiles or direct email. Say, I listened to episode 72 with Jared on security. I would like to know more about... And we'll take that into consideration as we create future content. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Yep. I'm ready for the feedback. What words of advice, I always like to ask this question, what words of advice do you have for any new or existing developers that are listening to this today? So the pragmatic answer is, you know, what does your org need right now or in the near future? But but my real answer is going to be kind of paraphrasing Michael Jordan. Make sure you keep it fun. Don't, don't give yourself a bunch of homework. Don't 
make a strict schedule. Like I need to do two hours a week on portal and six hours a week on business logic and, and integration hub. No, scrap that, keep it fun. Uh, find some people out, out in the community to collaborate with, make something goofy and post it, get some feedback. Just keep, keep it fun. That's my number one answer. Good answer. I'm, I'm going to jump back to that first requirement to listen to your organization, understand what those requirements are. If their organizations are organic, they're constantly changing. So you may have new requirements that didn't exist a year or two ago. I, I saw that a lot in my old company. It's like, hey, we're now taking on military customers. So we need to know about ITAR and get certified and all this stuff. What does that mean from a system implementation standpoint that falls squarely on your shoulders? Keep your ear to those conversations because those are going to be the questions you have for us, your solution consultant, of what tools do I need to address this securely, properly, et cetera. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Jared. Uh, we will have links to all the stuff we talked about, your LinkedIn profile. Uh, mind if I share the email address as well? Not a problem. Okay. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. I know this went a little bit long. I was thinking about making it a two-parter, but I just didn't want to lose the momentum of this conversation this time. So thank you for hanging in there. If you're listening at double speed, I apologize because I always talk at double speed anyway. So you're getting four times the podcast of a regular one in this case. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our other podcasts. You can find them all at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu. If you subscribe to this, or any of our other podcasts. They are free. You can get them automatically delivered to you. Find them wherever you find your popular podcast. Just search for ServiceNow. You're going to find a whole bunch of things. Breakpoint. This podcast is brought to you by ServiceNow. Executive producer is me, Chuck Tomasi. Video and captions by Earl Duquet. And if you want to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, the place to go is developer.servicenow.com. I will talk at single speed for that one because it's important. Thank you again so much for joining us and sharing with us today, Jared. Hey, it's been a blast. And have fun out there. Be yourself. And it's glide o'clock somewhere. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. The mixer recording is working. The video has come back on the monitor I want it on. And we are ready to begin. You ready? Let's jump in and do it. Some nice dead air there. Let me know if you want to leave this one on the cutting room floor or not. Excuse me. I said I think I said that backwards. That sounds that sounds great. And there's a helicopter right over my head right now. I'm not sure if you can hear it mm -hmm. no 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 did we talk about mile wide inch deep well we we were there let me let me form that in a better question that'll work on the air oh take two